delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is on the grid. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Share Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. Big show coming your way today. We're going to speak to supercar rookie Cameron Hill about what has been a great start to his supercar season, especially the weekend we just had down in Tassie. Mark Walker, Richard Kyle and myself, look at what's been happening in the world of motorsport. All that to come right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On the grid. All right, as always, off the top of the program, Richard Crowell, good day to you. Have you defrosted yet, Tony? I have, Richard. Uh, <laughs> it was damn cold, was that? I, I seriously believe that Saturday was the coldest that I've ever been, Saturday afternoon, for a long, 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 long time. I cannot remember having been that cold for a long time. It was one of those weekends where I appreciate working for the manufacturer I work for who, are, who win the World Championship of Team Uniforms. Uh, and the Porsche, the Porsche beanie and the Porsche gloves were well utilised over the course of the Tassie weekend. But uh, I tell you what I did feel for Shebex was on Saturday morning, the first race was a Formula Ford race and it was at 8.25am. 1.7 degrees when they went out, Richard. Yeah, because half an hour before it, it was exactly zero with a feels like of minus 4.6. And those Formula Fords, uh, they're no Porsche when it comes to uh, being in a nice warm cockpit. So uh, I felt for those kids when they were running out. And I wonder if our uh, our guest in the show this week might be able to tell us a little bit how they they pulled up from that. But it was a good weekend in Tassie and we'll uh, debrief all of that as the show goes on. Well, the other thing I want to know from our guest also, and we'll introduce him in just one sec, is how warm is it in a race suit? I reckon, I don't think they I don't think they're very warm. Cameron Hill, good day to you. Uh, what was it like on Saturday afternoon standing next to your car when it was so cold? Was it were you warm? Uh yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um yeah, it looked like it was quite uncomfortable for for everyone that wasn't in a race car. Um <laughs> It was quite cold, uh, but the good thing was for for me, for once, it'll be the opposite when, when we get to Darwin and you'll all be looking at me sweating and yeah. jumping in bloody ice baths, um, trying to get my core, core temp back down. But um, the good thing at Tassie was because we were in the car so much, um, never really got a chance to get cold. But um, yes, it was freezing cold uh and yeah little open wheelers um yeah i reckon their hands would have been a little bit sore after that one there were a couple of formula four drivers who were using the uh little hand warmers oh yeah you you snap and that but we'll go into that a little bit later on (laughs) first of all mate congratulations to you it was a uh fair to say a coming of age weekend for you in supercars yeah breakthrough weekend i think that's what um you would probably call it um yeah it was really cool to qualify strongly in all three races and then obviously race race at the front race against um you know the household names of supercars and um yeah really really um happy with i guess how our weekend went so let, let's talk about quali first uh, you and your teammate were outstanding in all three qualifying sessions uh, and you went seventh, fifth and seventh across the three races. So not just quick, but consistently quick as well. Um, 
Has this been something building in the team, do you think? And I know Jack's had some really good results early in the season as well. Um, but but what was it that just sort of gelled for the both of you at Simmons Plains? I think it has been building. Um, I don't think it's a surprise to us. Um, after Perth, certainly on the Sunday, I felt like we started to head uh, a direction with our setup that started to make sense. I was quite happy with where we were at um, for myself uh, at Perth. And, and obviously Jack's had some good results already. So we went down to Tassie sort of uh, with a new, uh, I guess, direction with where, what we wanted to go with these Gen 3 cars. And I think it, I think it proved to be quite successful. So we've been to a few different tracks now. We've been to a street circuit in Townsville. We've been to the Grand Prix, Perth and Tasmania, all totally different tracks to each other. Has it come to fruition that we have a sort of generic setup now for the car that you're, especially that you're comfortable with? I know obviously things get tweaked when you get to certain tracks, but is there a generic setup now that you guys could dial in and know that you can be at least competitive on practice one and practice two? I hope so, mate. I think when we get to Darwin, that will be validated quite quickly. If if we roll out and, and we're strong up there, then, you know, I guess we'll be able to say that we are, I guess, now operating in a good window um, that we know we've got a solid base. So hopefully uh, it's clear that, you know, Erebus probably have got, something that works really, really yeah. well everywhere because they've been super competitive at, at every round. And, um, yeah, I, I, obviously Tassie's been our strongest round yet as a team. So hopefully when we get to Darwin, we kind of validate that we're, um, we're sort of closing that, that gap. So race 11 quality cam, you're fifth. So you're just behind your teammate. You're in front of Golding, Davison, Randall, Reynolds, Waters, Van Gisbergen, Slade, Mostert. The list goes on. And you're 0.15 from pole. At what point do you go from the supercar rookie first time of going, I've qualified fifth amongst and in front of that group to, man, I'm 0.15 away from being on pole position. Like where does the competitive race car driver side of you kick in in that element? Uh, yeah, it was probably kicking in on Sunday, really. Um, obviously, Saturday was it was pretty awesome to, to get through the, the three-stage quality and, and then race so well. So then Sunday, it was kind of like, right, well, okay, we, we have a fast car. Like, we need, you know, when the goal needs to be to try to replicate this again today. And mm. I think that lap, that was a pretty good lap. You know, I sort of went, yep, that was pretty mint you know i got a really good toe down the back straight and it all sort of lined up and you go oh wow that that's got to put me somewhere and then yeah yeah p5's good um and then you get out of the car and then you see your teammates pipped you by like 200 and he's p4 <laughs> you're like oh far out like, really um but yeah it is it is so close and i think that's the men i think there was a mentality shift for me as well like after perth I guess I, when I qualified 12th and, and had that race where I was sort of just in the 10 for, for a period, I sort of went, well, actually, you know what? I'm not that far away. Like if I can get everything right, there's nothing stopping me from being in the top 10. And, and so I sort of rolled into Perth, not Perth, sorry, Tassie with that mentality. And, um, and then, yeah, wow. Like I'm racing 
I was in third in yeah. the supercar race. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have uh, at the start of the year said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be running the top three at some point. But um, yeah, then, then I'm there and, I, and it felt, you know, kind of normal, I guess. Um, racing in Carrera Cup, you know, for the last few years when you're always sort of fighting for race wins and, and all that like that as a race car driver is what you're always trying to do. So to me, running 20th was the weird thing, you know, you're sort of like far out, like how am I going to get up there? But um, yeah, it was really nice to just sort of pull it all together. That That's really interesting. And and that one racing Perth. So is that a belief thing? Is it a, an internal belief that you just needed that one race for you to go, yeah, I can mix it with these guys. I'm, I'm three races into my full-time career, but there's no reason why I can't do it. Is it as simple as that, or is it a little bit, little bit deeper? Look, I'm sure it's. I'm, I'm sure there's lots of different factors. Obviously, we. I feel like, yeah, we we rolled out with good race cars and um, executed on everything really, really well. But for sure, I guess there has to be that small, that small thing in the back of your mind where you know you actually have to believe that you can do it um, and. Not that I didn't, obviously, before. I, I always sort of thought, yep, you know, I'm building, you know. I, and I sort of, when I, you know, rocked up to Newcastle, I was like, I don't really care about the results. All right? I'm, I'm here to learn. I'm here to soak it all in. And I actually had probably, you know, the most fun I've had at mm. Newcastle, like rolling around, racing against all the, the guys you've watched forever on the TV. And, like, it was just the most awesome experience. Um and then you just kind of, okay, right, you know, now let's get to work. And that's why AGP was probably a bit bit tough to swallow because sort of thought, oh, yep, I've got all the rookie round out of the way, but it was a, it was a tough round for for me. And and so then, yeah, I guess with each round now, I've just started to build more confidence and probably just being more comfortable um, in the car and racing, um, you know, all these guys. So... Uh, yeah, I guess it all, it's a lot of little things, but um, for sure, the mentality side of it is a big part of it. You're an elderly rookie, and I mean Oof, that in the nicest possible is. way. Most <laughs> rookies are 18, 19, 20 years old. You're 26. Oh. Is that an advantage for you, though, to have had a, a career in racing already at a top level, such as Carrera Cup or whatever that may be, to be able to step in and make the transition a lot easier than being a, an 18 or a 19-year-old either coming out of a, a junior category or, or something like that? I think I can spin it both ways. I can probably say it's an advantage and, and maybe a disadvantage. Um, the disadvantage is, um, obviously, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm up against the guys like Brock Feeney who obviously have maybe a longer career ahead of them because they can probably be doing it for the next 20 years. Um, but then again, I look at it and go, well, I actually feel like I've had a really good apprenticeship um, coming into supercars and, um, and maybe that's also what's, you know, sort of helped um, me find my feet quite quickly is um, the amount of experience I've had with, different race cars, um, engineering race cars. Um, you know, very quickly I've built a relationship with Paul Forge, my engineer, and we talk the same language and, and I've obviously been able to get the car to my liking now. So um, for sure, I think 
the the added years that I've been able to sort of chip away and and, and learn, I think uh, are helping me make the step up for sure. Cameron Scott Dixon's forty two and he's still winning IndyCar races every other week. Yeah, so you're fine, mate. You've fast. got you've got years <laughs> in front of you. Don't worry about that. Um, what what are you guys searching for now from a race package point of view? Because your one lap pace was great, but both you and Jack, and you didn't fade much, let's be honest, but there's still clearly a little bit to search for in those truck assist Camaros from over a race distance. So what are you looking for? And, and what was the difference on Sunday that, that you needed to keep yourself up around where you qualified? Yeah, you've probably hit the nail on the head there. Um, we were really happy, obviously, with the one lap pace, but um still need a bit more on the races and and i think that's just purely down to to tire life i think everyone up and down pit lane talks about it and suffers from it to a to a various degrees so i i think i'll have to put my hand up and and say there's definitely probably things that i can learn and, and do a better job at um and it's it's so hard to put your finger on it must be almost immeasurable um, you know, it could just be that I get five to six percent wheel spin, and um, Shane Mengisbergen might get three to four percent wheel spin, and you you compound that over thirty laps, and all of a sudden, you know, he's able to drive you know three or four tenths faster for longer. But um, so there there could be yeah stuff that I can work on. Um, but as for the car setup side of things, yeah, not sure. Obviously, we're going to have to try some more things at these next uh, next few rounds to try improve it. Can we move on to Formula Ford, Cosy? You got the more super cars? Yeah, yep. Form- I love Formula Ford. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mate, congratulations. A, a, a good win, a good round for the team down in Tassie. Round three of the series. Zach Lobko takes the championship lead. Chew is the racing those guys provided at Tassie was pretty spectacular. I don't know how much of it you caught live and how much of it you caught on the tally later on, but these kids in the 19 kids that are racing around in formula Fords at the moment are just doing such a damn good job. Yeah. I, I did manage to watch uh, all the races. Um, I couldn't keep my, couldn't, couldn't stay away. I couldn't help myself from pulling the boots on for my own session or I'm there. I've got it on my phone watching the racing and um, yeah. Oh. I, I find it funny that it wasn't that long ago that I, I was racing former Ford slipstreaming and, and doing all that stuff. But now when I watch it, it's, you just sort of have to hold your breath for 20 minutes because it's like one <laughs> big near miss. Like, and, and, and uh, you know, unfortunately every now and then they, they don't miss and, <laughs> yeah. and there can be some wheels interlocking and all the rest of it. But the racing is, I don't think you'll find better racing anywhere else really um if anyone can prove me wrong I, I, i'd be happy to be proved wrong but it's it's uh it's unreal racing um and it, it definitely teaches the kids uh very very well how, how are you balancing the, the team ownership and, and running the race team side of things with trying to be a, a full-time race car driver it's uh been more challenging this year yeah. um in the past it hasn't been too bad you know with Corona Cup, I only had eight events. Well, the year that I won the championship, it was only four and a half or whatever. And um, uh, Super 2 was only six rounds. And so it was much easier to, 
you know, have basically a full-time job in running the race team and, and obviously still doing my racing as well. But this year, it's certainly, it's been pretty full on. And so I'm, I'm trying, you know, as the year goes on to, I guess, delegate a few more things to uh, mum and dad and, and the rest of the crew. Um, and then try to obviously just, um, you know, only, only touch it where, where it really needs to be touched by me. And, um, well, Hey, they, they did pretty good on, on Saturday and Sunday and, and I yeah. didn't have anything to do with it. So Zach's back in the championship lead, which is fantastic. Um, so yeah, it's definitely been pretty full on, but, um, at the same time, it, it's still, really cool to be able to work with, um, you know, the young drivers that we have in our team and, um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's enjoyable to, um, to, to be involved in motorsport from a, from a non-driving point of view. It's, um, it's quite fun, you know, setting up the cars in the workshop and, and doing all that. So, um, I, th I feel like it's also helped me in, in other ways as well. Did some work with Imogen on the weekend, roaming Imogen, which we'll get out on our Formula Ford channels over the next few days. And she interviewed a lot of the drivers, had a chat to Garth Tander when we had all the uh, Formula Ford champions come over on the Friday and the like. Mate, she's a she's a star in the making. She can drive, there's no doubt about it. She's not quick at the moment compared to others, but she's getting better. But she is just fantastic in front of the camera. She's got a really good media presence. She's got a big future. Yeah, I saw that um, someone handed her a microphone and let her loose on all the supercar drives. Yeah, that was me. Um, <laughs> that that was really cool. Um, really cool to see. Yeah, uh, like you say, Imogen is a, a star in the making. She's she's got um, her head screwed on really uh, really well for for her age and um, is sort of already thinking about all those other big picture things. So. Um, She's, she's tracking along really, really well and, and, um, and her driving as well. Every time we, we go out, we make progress and, and we close that gap to, to all the other boys. So, um, yeah, really, really uh, looking forward to seeing how she continues to progress. That's good right, stuff. Mate. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. As we said, a fantastic weekend for you and the team oh, down in Tassie. Uh, we've got a couple of weeks now until we get up to Darwin and see whether that uh, momentum can continue. Let's hope it does for you and the guys. All the best, mate. Thanks for your time. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. Cameron Hill joining us right here on The Grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. Now, uh, great chat to Cameron Hill and always great to chat to this man as well. Joins us now, Mark Walker. Hello, Mark. Hello, Tony. Hello, Richard. Bit to unpack there, and a reasonable amount to preview, I'd imagine, this weekend. Mm. Mm. Yes. Good job from Cameron. Uh, friend of the show is Cam. We've we've been having him on since before he won the Carrera Cup yeah. Championship. So, uh, really pleased to see him have a good weekend. And indeed, the uh, the truck assist pair from Matt Stone Racing, and uh, after a little blip on the radar. Jack LeBrock returns to the top 10 in the championship as well, which is great with another trio of, uh, of top 10 performances. So really good stuff to see. And one of the good storylines to come out of uh, a Camaro dominated weekend down in the 
in the Apple Isle, which was a, a cool weekend of racing that you and I were at Shebex. It was nice to actually see you at a racetrack. And it was lovely to see you, you were... for the first time this year. I thought, oh, no, we Grand Prix. We caught up. The we Grand did Prix. see you at the Grand Prix. Um, and actually, you were there actually putting some effort into your hots and knots, which was awesome. So I know, well which done. is nice. It's hmm. amazing what you can do when you've actually got your head engrossed in the whole thing. And we'll it? talk about those a little bit later on. Mark Walker, how did it look to you from afar? Fine. Um, you mentioned the, you didn't actually mention the parody word, but I'm going to mention the parody word. Mm. What's the go? There's clearly not parody because 11 of the 12 wins have been Chevrolet's and Ford's win was by default. And they've, Chevy's have claimed 85% of the podiums. It's not exactly an even ledge there at the moment, but what is it? Is it a case of these cars aren't actually level, which is some in the Ford camp are saying, and others in the Chevy camp are pointing to the fact that the Fords keep banging into each other, for instance, in qualifying Cam twice. Is yep. Um, you know, is it a case of that there's, really two teams that have a handle on what's going on. And it's really only the Erebus guys who have a really good grasp of what these cars need at the moment, because you take those Erebus cars out, you take the Red Bull cars out and the battle for class B would actually be pretty spicy. Well, and, and, and there's parody there. Yeah. There, there is absolute parody behind the two, the two coke cars and either one of the triple eight cars that is good on the day. Cause right now, even triple eight can't do two good cars. Well, they just, Shane just can't qualify at the moment. Yeah, He's yeah, just nowhere. Which isn't, how good is that? It's great. Isn't it the best thing that's happened to the championship in years? Um, I haven't yeah, seen anything I, from the vote that keeps tweeting. You just can't beat the bastard. No, well, yeah, he's exactly. been quiet for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I know, which is tremendous. So yeah, what he's gone five races without a win now. That's got to be some kind of record. Um, yeah, I, it, it's, I don't know. Like, uh, clearly, some of the four teams are not doing a good job, and and you know, Grove Racing had a really off weekend, mm -hmm. and they've admitted that, and they they're looking into that. But but where are DJR? And and if if there was, if all the four teams were doing a good job, or more of the four teams, DJR should be right where Cam Waters is every day. But. Mm -hmm. But they they were they were nowhere again. They jagged. But they're qualifying. Like yeah. their race pace was is, decent. Is nowhere. But if if they were a football team in Aussie rules, they would be being dragged through the media something chronic for underperforming right now. It's only our unique media coverage of the sport that just doesn't. You know, we don't tend to go hard against these teams like that. But. If they were a football team, they would be being crucified for being nowhere because they're a team that should be, in theory, winning championships. They've got all the all the pieces there to do that, but they are nowhere mm. um, yeah, relative. And, and nowhere in supercars is two-tenths a lap off the pace. And if you're two-tenths off, especially at Simmons Plains, you know, we were talking to Cam Hill just before, Mark, and he was 0.14 from pole, and he was fifth. So you miss the margin by a tiny little bit and you're nowhere. And, and relative to the front of the field, they are absolutely nowhere. And, and you look at Anton Di Pasquale, he's still 18th in the championship, three top 10 finishes from the first 12 races. Yeah. Like that is not a good strike rate. I don't care how good your race pace is. So the, uh, the parity thing for mine is clearly, it's a multitude of issues. Maybe there is dramas between the two cars, but the, there are four teams not doing a good enough job right now. And I think that 
I don't think that's being talked about enough in uh, in supercars land. You go back to when the Mustang was brought in 2019 and remember the stink and the carry-on and the mm. whinging and the sooking that went on about all that. Yeah. And keep in mind too that they didn't wind up fixing up the aero on the ZB until Darwin, mm. which is coming up. You know, it's a similar point in the season to now mm. sort of thing where they finally bit the bullet and did something about it. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, the there'd surely be enough information out there now that they'll be able to figure out what's going on. Ben, can you explain parity to me to an extent? Because uh, the categories set itself up with Gen 3, that the cars are very similar. There's so many control parts in the car and all that sort of stuff. How do we have such a disparity? But, if but there we is don't. We, we don't, though. It's not a massive disparity. But in a formula where everyone's got pretty much the same thing... That's what I mean. Half, How can there be but, a difference? But half a percent is an enormous Everything. margin. So that that's the thing. That's, yeah, but isn't, isn't half a percent then the team thing more so than the actual? But, but that's cars the question. Themselves? That's the question you never know, Shabex. Yeah, okay. Because in in all of these instances, there's been one team that's doing a better job, and that's competitive sport. So it makes it very very difficult to know what the parity issue is when one team has clearly unlocked the secret source that makes the Camaro tick. Yeah. or makes Gen 3 tick, and that's Erebus, and they're comfortably quicker than anybody else consistently on in every race, and that's the difference. Um, I, I would love to know in an alternative past or an alternative timeline how those races would have played out had Cam Waters not fenced himself into some DJR cars in both qualifying <laughs> sessions on Sunday and qualified on pole because he was dead set going to be on pole or very, very close to it. So how would those races have played out differently if he was at the front of that field, controlling the pace at the front, managing his tyres, not overheating his fronts, things like that? What what if he'd gone and won two of the three races or both races on Sunday? Spot would on. we be having this discussion now if Ford had won two of the three races on the weekend? That's the problem the sport faces trying to manage this parity issue, Shebex, because... It, it's all a massive what if because people would stop talking about it if Ford won all three races on the weekend. Mm. Because then clearly it's not a car problem. It's a team doing a better job than the other yeah. four teams. So, and, and the margins are infinitesimal. So that that's the problem you face. You'd hate to be supercars technical department because it's bloody difficult. You spot on about Erebus though. They are miles ahead of everyone at the moment. It's a good, and that's not point... just a statement. That's, that's a fact. At what point do they crash into each other? It's going to be soon, isn't it? <laughs> Something to look but forward to. The thing I like about them is, you know, when uh, Will got the pole there on Saturday, Brody jumped out there in the pit lane and was in the team photo oh, and all that sort of thing. Like exactly. that's the team, team spirit yeah. and the camaraderie. You don't see that everywhere else in pit lane, do you? If your teammates got in pole, you're not out there celebrating with them. So, you know, they they seem to be one little uh, happy family. Uh, catching the private jet back to Sydney and uh, feasting down party pies. on some party pies, really living the high life there, <laughs> devouring the beige food group on their private jet. And sausage rolls too. Don't forget yeah, that yeah. there was sausage and rolls. And there was a little, well. uh, little cakey things there covered in chocolate as well. That's just <laughs> team of champion stuff there. Love it. You love to see that. You do. It makes them near human. Yeah. No, uh, great racing. Really good racing down there. And, and, and she was, you've got to give thumbs up to short track uh, races, don't you? 
Yeah, you do. Look, it was it was good racing. I, I don't think it was great. It was okay. Uh, I like the fact they can tow. That's mm. cool. Um, and it, it adds another layer to qualifying, doesn't yeah. it? Um, so I, I like that. I like the fact they can draft. And, and I'm just, I, I, I do wonder about what's going to happen when we get to Bathurst because if you're going to get a tow anywhere, it's going to be about halfway down Conrod Strait as you're driving past Kenny Habul's house. You're going to be going 10Ks now quicker than the car in front, which is going to be great. So, you know, Bathurst, I mean, it, it could be a real, you know, don't want to lead the last lap kind of thing because you want to get the run on Conrod, which would be amazing if, if Gen 3 offers us that. But um, I, I suppose we'll learn more about that at uh, a Hidden Valley with that long start finish straight and then you know tail and bend a couple of rounds later will be much the same so yeah um oh yeah the, the racing was pretty good I, it wasn't it wasn't breathtaking racing but it was it was decent i thought hmm and they did something to the hairpin there they extended the asphalt on it because it it seemed like more of a, a banked turn than it was no. a, a danger in the as it has been in the past no the, the hairpin is exactly the same they, they moved they to a marshal point on driver's right but yeah, they changed the that. camera angle that was what mm. happened no, mm. okay. Yeah, I think the camera was up higher because of that Marshall point they've put in. Okay. So the the camera was further back towards the sand trap on the driver's right, and it was elevated up higher on the scaffold. So it probably it looked down a lot more on it, I think, which made it look yeah. steeper. So mm. it worked. It was good. I know there weren't too many photography shots from there because I believe that uh, photographers weren't allowed down to the hairpin this year. Do you know what? That's a good. Uh, that's a good pickup. Yeah, I did. Uh, also, I due, to the, recall, due to the movement of the marshalling point, I believe that the photographers just weren't allowed down there. I don't recall seeing any photos from the exit of the hairpin, which is absolute usual, none. Yeah, right. Also, it's a bitch of a walk to get down there. So, <laughs> knowing <laughs> photographers intimately, I'd say they just got too yeah. bored, you know, too lazy to do mm. it. Good on them. Mm. No, no, I'm they if, they honestly were not allowed down there. Mm. Told not to go. Cool. Yeah, there you go. Uh, what other highlights from the weekend, boys? Um, <laughs> as we as we scan the power rankings, yeah. <laughs> thrilling radio. This <laughs> uh, Brock Feeney, uh, four yeah. wins in five events. He's yeah. got he's, a lot of real deal about him. He's and, come and good. That that comes with the whole changing the guard thing. Like we just keep having these super young podiums with him and the the two Erebus boys up there in the podium. Like they're mm. absolutely getting it done and. Yeah, you know, Brock's stringing together a bit of a season, isn't he? He's Mr. Sunday. He's the anti-George <laughs> George Russell. George Russell there getting it done on a Sunday. Yeah. I, I think he needed that win at the end of the season last year just to give him that momentum to roll into this year, and he's really grabbed it and moved with it. I, I, I'm sure he still would have had a fairly good start to the year this year, but I just think that win last year just gave him verification that he can be one of the top drivers. He's gone away over the summer. Thought, radio. I've got an opportunity here. Worked on it, and he's come back, and here he is. I think one of the highlights of the weekend were the supports. Yeah, generally those uh, Formula Fords were exactly what we thought the Formula Fords were going to be, and I could not watch. It Borderline was terrifying. thoroughly <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> Can't be involved in the category, Mark. Did uh, you <laughs> Did you watch it, or how did you? Yeah, well, through closed through fingers, yes. Uh, and, and found myself yelling at the TV a fair bit of the time when I thought things were going to happen and they just didn't. But uh, no, enthralling racing, really. Those guys were, and girl and Imogen, they just put on a great show. And 
three, four wide at times, and it was just oh my lord. Richard, you've been around Simmons Plains. Yeah. The the thing is, you, you see it on TV and in cars and whatnot. But that back straight in adverted commas, it is sketchy. It's yeah, bumpy totally. and lumpy and it's tight and there's yeah. there's so much consequence going on there. And when you see these dudes there in these open wheelers locking wheels going down there at 200 and whatever kilometers an hour, it is scary. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it's an awesome racetrack. It, it's such a cool track. I I love Simmons. It, 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 it's in my top sort of half a dozen racetracks in Australia because it just because yeah. that's what it does. It's got so much natural character. And it's a good racing track for racing. Everyone, you look at it on a piece of paper and go, how good could that be? But it's genuinely brilliant to watch. I, I watched one of those Formula Ford races from the commentary box standing behind Garth and Chad. And uh, old GT is still limited bashing. He is still just an old. He's just an old Formula Four driver now. Yeah. But um, there yeah, was it was brilliant. I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that racing. That was great. And um, Aussie racing cars were really good there too. They, they put on a, a good show. And um, my boys in Michelin Sprint Challenge were really good too. That's yeah. two from two rounds now that that series has put on a show. And um, I got to say, it was pretty special to call. Ronan Murphy winning on Sunday and the son of Greg Murphy winning his first race on Aussie soil. He's a, a ripper kid and he drove very, very smartly on Sunday and, and really, really well thought out drive. And he's got some aggression when he needs it. He's got lots of consistency and he's got a bit of swagger outside of it as well. So he's a lot like his old man, but um, I know uh, Murph was back home in New Zealand watching on, so he hasn't been to a round yet, which must take some self-control. But um, I think we see him in Sydney when uh, Sprint Challenge is there at the Sydney Super Night. But no, really cool. Um, and that that championship, I mean, the bloody Kiwis are coming though, aren't mm. they? Like between Ronan, Marco Giltrap, who is in two rounds, I'm convinced is the real deal. He yep. is properly, properly good. He's got a bit of... Um, and I, I say this with love. He's got a bit of SVG about him, just in the killer instinct style. Yeah. When the helmet goes on and the eyes go on, you go, "Oh, geez, this guy's going to destroy us all," which is, which is cool. And and young Zach Stitchbury, the Kiwi as well, is um is very very quick. I think we did a disservice to chocolate there in the power rankings this week by not having Panut Slab. Well, up the I, order somewhere. I tell you what, um, and I'll. I'll roll one of my hots in now um that is tremendous sponsorship from Whitakers. um a it's got great motor racing providence and i think I, I referenced it was one of my goals this weekend or last weekend was to reference in commentary the peanut slab rover vitesse that raced in group c at the wellington street race back and i ticked that box and i was very very proud of myself for doing that um but uh, the the chief mechanic from El Bamba Motorsport wandered over on Thursday with a large armful of uh, Whitaker's goodness, uh, among them peanut slab. But I got to tell you, their coconut block is elite level chocolate. Now Can I know I, co- I know coconut's not for everyone, Shebex. Oh, but I love, I love coconut. Yeah. And Can I say how disappointed I was about all that? Because I saw people walking around mm. with product and I had no idea where it was coming from. It was coming from. I had from none the, of their product over the whole weekend. It was coming from the Whitaker's Porsche garage. Yeah. You literally just walk past and it would just magically appropriate in your hands. a few times. No. Well, magically clearly, didn't see us. No. You weren't doing it right. 
But no, is, obviously. Genius sponsorship, and it, the car looks really good, so it's a ripping-looking car. But does it look mint? Is there it, a mint product there I don't somewhere? know. I don't know. I don't know. It looks choice as, bro, though. It's um, No, very, very good. Love it. Good sponsorship. They can take that to Career Cup when they uh, step up. That'll be brilliant. I'm still happy if uh, anyone at Whitaker's is listening to give it a try. Yeah. Well, we could work something out. Oh, look, oh, the Whitaker's power rankings would be a thing, and that'd just be a perpetual Ooh. hot, wouldn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Hotter than a peanut slab. I'll make sure uh, young Zach listens to this podcast and uh, he can hit his mates up for us. That'll be good. Uh, you're right, though. The supports, Mark, were fantastic. Even the Tassie Tin Tops, I thought, did a, a pretty good job, too, from what I saw of them. Yeah, uh, look, yeah. but it's it's the best. We'll come to that. It, it's the best uh, support program they've had there in years. Um, and I was chatting to the great, great Barry Oliver, who how is good, one of how good was the, it to the, see? Oh, I to let that bloke. For those that don't know, Barry was the, the series commentator for Supercars from 97 to about 2008 or 9, I think, um, a little bit before that perhaps, and he won Tiger with Jim Richards numerous times. And remained his co-driver up until just the last couple of years. Yep, absolutely. And he is one of the nicest human beings. He's got the the fiercest handshake of any human being you'll ever meet. He's <laughs> still sore. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, lovely bloke, but he was he was rap. He's a he's a a huge proponent and ambassador for Tassie Motorsport, and he was really pleased that the support program was as good as it was. and And I'm sure that contributed to get them getting the crowd they did, um, despite the sub zero Arctic conditions. Um, it was a really stout crowd, and mm. and I think it's the best they've had there in five or six years. Yeah, and with footy on up the road as well. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. As we said in the power rankings, I'm pretty confident that's the first time supercars have outdrawn the AFL when competing head-to-head in the same market. Because there were definitely more people at Simmons than there were at, um, uh, mm. what is it, Utah's Stadium in Launceston there where the Hawks were playing? Uh, yes. And the competition was certainly better at Simmons Plains than it was in the Aussie oh. Rules game as well. So mm. uh, miles, miles more entertaining sport. Yeah, geez, West Coast is ruling that. Uh all right, moving forward, uh, Formula One, great weekend of racing for them, not. Yeah. That was a shame. So it's a shame for the region, a shame for Italy in the way it is at the moment. There's some massive floods happening there, but just an uh, entire cancellation of a round is always a tough one. Yeah, I, and I might travel home. Like, I timed my flights home to roll in just before the Porsche Super Cup race was due to start. Yep. Um, so that was... Yeah, I didn't know but, what to do when I got home. But they did the right thing, like in totally. past yeah, they instances, were never going to run. You yeah. know, like with Melbourne, they absolutely botched that. With Spa, they absolutely botched that. And they pulled the pin early and made sure that people didn't come to that region, which was absolutely the right thing to do. So um, roll on this week to Monaco. But, I mean, you know, personally, I did write that race report last week and got the whole title of the event in there and then i had to repurpose that post-race report into a cancellation report and then they edited the name out for brevity which i thought was a bit, bit harsh <laughs> what a ripoff anyway uh, no good it happens uh speaking of regions a region that's going to be very hot for the next few days is the region of indianapolis oh yeah what a good um what a good weekend of qualifying it was for yeah, the 107th yeah. um Really cool stuff right through with bumping and the incredible story of, of Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing having to bump themselves out of the race, which oh. is pretty incredible. 
um, through to a really good pole shootout and the fastest speeds we've seen at the Speedway since Ari Leindyke's record and um, a really good grid set up, but a really close field. Like this is one of the closest fields they've ever had for the Indy 500. And um, the reports after the the Monday practice session where they put the cars back into their race boost levels, they were still doing 229 in a tow, but that's properly quick race pace. Mm. Um, and the, the general feedback is that the racing is going to be really wild. So yeah, can't wait for that uh, early hours, Monday morning next week. That's um, it's shaping up to be an absolute beauty. You know, you, you talk about being competitive. There's five mile an hour between fastest and the guys yeah. who are absolutely nowhere struggling. The mm. Rahal team, you look at those guys, they've been nowhere all week. And, you know, like you said, they bumped each other out and the, there's a fairly big story there. But then the one car that did make it uh, ahead of that last chance qualifying was Catherine Legg. And she's wound up shunting the car in practice today as we mm. broadcast on Tuesday night. So mm. just a horrid weekend. But you, you look back 30 years ago, Bobby Rahel missed the race there, um, nearly missed it the in 94 the year after as well. But you know, back those days, they were bumping 15 cars from the field yeah. and a lot of big names uh, did miss out. And yeah, Graham Rahel, he's a full season competitor there. It's not like he's one of these blow-ins that just come and do the 500, like he's a full season guy. And that's a, a pretty big deal that he's missed the show. I like that the race still has that though. And yeah. you've got teams coming in like Dre and Ryan Bold, who, who got Ryan Hunter Ray decently into the show. Like they're an indie only team. Um, you know, unfortunate story. Stefan Wilson had that big shunt with Catherine Legg in, in Monday practice. So he's going to miss the race. And, you know, we could speculate who's going to be in, but by the time you hear this podcast, it'll probably be announced. So there's no point in us talking about it. Um, so, you know, but, but those little teams can still compete and be competitive and, you know, teams add fourth or five cars. So if you're, yeah, if you're half percent off, the thing I loved the most was how close it was. And everyone goes, yeah, but it's only an oval, but it's, it's a long oval mm -hmm. and the lap time, cause it's a four lap run. So it's, a, it's over a two minute lap. So it's like going around Bathurst and the pole margin was a thousandth of a second. <laughs> so Good, yeah. between a Chevy and a Honda too. So different marks as well, which is just great. So yeah, it's pretty special. Can't wait for that race. Our boy Scotty. Yeah. He's there or thereabouts. Penske cars yeah. went real quick in quality, but um Race pace is a different thing that could, uh, you know, Willie P was quick today. So that could, what that means come race day, if they're good in traffic, uh, they could still be handy. And I mean, Richard, you did say that Scotty was going to win this race. So. I said, hey, Scotty's definitely going to win the race. Yeah. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I heard it up. No, that's what I heard. I said, my, you go back and find the audio. The quote was, Scotty will win the race. Didn't say which one. Mm, Those uh, Ganassi cars looking pretty decent. Uh, NASCAR. <laughs> Since, no, we've, since we uh, last recorded our last show, the news about Shane Van Gisbergen heading into NASCAR in Chicago oh, has yeah. been released. Yeah, that predictably dropped, didn't it? Just after yeah. we put our podcast live. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's awesome if you like Van Gis, he'll go over there and snot him, and that's going to be a great result. And if you hate him, he'll go over there and snot him and pick up a full-time drive and he'll leave these shores forever. So. Well, uh, there weren't many people in the supercars paddock disappointed about this opportunity opening <laughs> no. up. 
<laughs> for exactly but those reasons. Encouraging, <laughs> some might say. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think 90% of those people are very, very happy if he goes and snots them because that would be the thing that lands him a drive. So, um, yeah. But the thing is, we broke it down on the race talk, is that he is a dead set chance. Like, he yeah. couldn't be in a better position. Mm. You know, for starters, it's Shane, and he's adaptable to anything that he puts his bum in, if it's a rally car, drift car, open wheel, or whatever. Um, the next-gen NASCAR is pretty much just a supercar with the different skin on it. Um, if it's anything like last year, he will get testing miles, which is going to work into his... Strong suit there, Chicago straight track. No one's ever raced there. No one in NASCAR's ever raced on a straight circuit period. And it's what Shane spends half his year doing. Mm. Track house, ace team. Uh, the two main drivers there won on road courses last year. It's a full spec Chevy setup. So you'll get all the uh, miles in the sim and have all the good data and all the good people uh, pushing the barrow there. His crew chief, Darian Grubb. He's a championship winning crew chief. He's worked with Jimmy Johnson, uh, Denny Hamlin, Mark Martin, Carl Edwards, everyone who's anyone in NASCAR. So he's got a great guy calling the shots there. Um, and I actually once stayed in a hotel room next to Darian Grubb. So that's my um, mm. one degree of separation there. And um, it turns out Kiwis and Aussies are bloody good. So uh, I think that's <laughs> that's all he sort of needs, really. Yeah. Well, good luck to him. Anything hey. else you need to report from NASCAR, Mark? Yeah, they had the uh, all-star race at North Wilkesboro. It's the uh, first cup race there since 1996 and it was on the old busted race surface that dates back to 1981 so uh you know they think that um the call to park thunderdome's gone it mm. is absolutely not gone it's coming back baby um <laughs> you know the, the whole genesis for this north wilkesboro thing was that dale jr went there and tore up all the weeds so they could scan it for eye racing so that they could sort of keep the circuit going on in the virtual world uh, then the pandemic happened and the people who own it got an $18 million grant from the North Carolina government to tart it up as a bit of a COVID recovery thing. And here they are back racing at this historic venue. So it was there a fortunate series of coincidence there. Um, the main race, it it's, was a bit of a stinker. Kyle Larson absolutely smoked everyone. He figured out how to get his car around there. Um, truck race had 12 cautions. The main race did not. So... <laughs> That's uh, all there is to say about that. And I guess there was one highlight is that there was a big blue broke out in the grandstand, but uh, Ross Chastain was not involved in that. So <laughs> good to hear something different. Well done, Ross. All right. Time for our hots and knots of the weekend. Who wants to go? What are we starting with? Uh, let's start with hot. Okay. I'll launch off some hots. Uh, coffee is hot. Ideally. Oh. This but weekend? Sorry, I missed that. No, coffee. Oh, coffee. Yes. Coffee yeah. is hot. And uh, in this busy time of the motor racing year, the number of people in the paddock that are surviving purely on the caffeine produced by those glorious little beans um, is larger than I've seen it for a long time, uh, and myself included. So thank you to coffee. Um, and thank you to Porsche for producing beautiful coffee at different tracks around Australia as well. Yes. Exactly. I'll throw uh, that in. You are welcome. Um, I'm going to give a blanket hot to Tasmania because it's a ripper joint and they back their car racing and they get right behind it and it's just a cool place to go car racing. So good on you, Tasmania, and may we always continue to race there. Um, I've already hotted Ronan Murphy and Marco Giltrap. That's such a cool story. We've already hotted bull rings and short circuits, which is great, and Formula Ford. So we've ticked off a lot of my stuff. 
I'm not going to lie to you, but um, given the conditions on the weekend, um, I had Indy Quali as hot as well because that was very captivating. Given the conditions on the weekend, the number one hot that I had was something that worked for me, keeping me hot. Now, I don't have the best circulation in the world because I'm very fat and useless, but uh, Porsche, as part of their uniform, and I work for Porsche, as we all know, uh, this year, for the first time, have issued gloves. And they're branded, and they have Porsche Motorsport on it. Wow. And they were lifesavers on the weekend. They were tremendous. Thank you, Boss Hugo Boss, for providing gloves. Um, thank you to the Porsche team for putting them in my uniform kit for this year. Um, and I'm sorry to the Porsche uniform team because I made the mistake of taking a photo of them and putting them on my Instagram. And uh, I, the number of Bathurst wins between the drivers from TV land and the supercar paddock that promptly went to the Porsche truck and said, Oh, do you think I might be able to grab myself a pair of Porsche gloves? (laughs) Like I'm talking 20 Bathurst victories here. Um, And uh, they all got told, no, we're out. Sorry. So um, I just, I'm sorry for that, but those gloves won the weekend for mine. That was a huge result for sport and my hands not freezing off in what were uh, Arctic conditions down in, uh, has he? So it's not the best hot that there's ever been, but um, from a purely personal standpoint, and then the subsequent entertainment of um, some pretty well-known household motor racing names being told, no, you can't have any. Um, that was a good hot. Beautiful. Uh, you've well, you've covered off on a few of my hots in yours, mm-hmm. Tasmania and short track. We spoke about that formula Ford as well. I'm going to also give a hot to deaf sheep in Tasmania. They must be deaf in Tasmania because they do not move. Every other racetrack in Australia tells us that we must shut off racing at five o'clock due to environmental (laughs) reasons so other animals don't get scared. These sheep that live on the back straight, the front straight of Simmons Plains, do not freaking move when cars are going around all day. Stop pulling our leg and let racing go over five o'clock in other areas of Australia. Have a chat to the sheep in Tassie. They'll tell you all's fine. <laughs> Have a chat to the sheep. Uh, they're just there to watch their Kiwi mates. They race. love it. They absolutely there love it. There were a lot of sheep in that paddock. On no the weekend, movement they? in the paddock. And didn't they look warm? They are going to make someone a a very, very comfortable jacket one day. (laughs) Those sheep were very woolly, but there was a lot of shorn sheep within close proximity of the track. So I don't know whether someone's got their shearing timings wrong. They're going to make someone a delicious (laughs) roast one day soon. So, (laughs) Please. Okay. I don't know if yeah. that board is that's hot or not. I'm not sure. Well, it's that's hot a for what. Me, that's sh- a what, isn't it? Yeah, it's probably is a what. Actually, it's a hot what. <laughs> okay, right, hot. Uh, the racetalk.com. We've been carrying on this little side project of ours for what seven years now, and I, I think we finally nailed it. We've absolutely <laughs> got the story that we've been waiting to publish all these mm. years. Um, go and check it out. The racetalk.com. It's a story of. How a driver in the 1954 Australian Grand Prix uh, lost the use of their pants. They got covered in petrol and they came into the pits and uh, they were, you know, it was heavily leaded petrol back then, by the way, too. It was none of this fancy pants, unleaded stuff we're running these days. Uh, you thought the Datsuns were on jungle juice. This, oh, was, no, this was proper <laughs> This is Amazon jungle juice. <laughs> so he, he, things got a bit uncomfortable there. So he whipped off his tweeds. 
Uh, turns out that the petrol also dissolved his nylon underwear. <laughs> so he's standing there in the pits in front of 60,000 punters in the nutty. <laughs> Um, and then, and <laughs> it actually was the lead story in the Daily Telegraph race oh. report. Uh, Paul Lex Davison actually got the last par in the whole story. So, uh, he found some other pants and was able to continue in the race with spare pants. So that is hot. Check that out. Um, hot goes to Australian snowboarder, Scotty James, who married Chloe yes. Stroll, Lance's sister and Lawrence's daughter. You might know Lawrence. He owns a, a little niche car manufacturer and open wheel team called Aston Martin. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and amongst uh, other things. So mm. well done, Scotty. You've done bloody well champion. Uh, and actually Scotty posted a TikTok over the weekend of a group watching the last minute of the bombers match. <laughs> yes. Uh, and Daniel Ricardo was lying on the floor there. So <laughs> if he plays his cards right and is, goes down to the deep pole there and we get Daniel Stroll lobbing up to a Grand Prix <laughs> later in the week, later in the year, don't be surprised. Uh, not pictured in, uh, Scotty's TikTok was Lance's other brother, Fernando Alonso, mm. or his Mrs. Taylor Swift. So uh, <laughs> that was missing in action there. Um, hot goes to Ross Chastain's pit crew. At the Dover race two weeks ago, Ross's pit crew were on the receiving end of a rather extended middle finger from Kyle Larson, uh, who was inadvertently fenced by Chastain earlier in the race. Fast forward to last weekend in Darlington and Chastain's Cup pit crew were servicing Larson's Xfinity winning car for Calig Racing. So how did the pit crew celebrate the win? Well, they sure as hell didn't go to victory lane. They left the driver high and dry by himself in victory lane celebrating by himself. <laughs> how good is penis <laughs> in professional sport? I love it hot. Um, and the last one I've got here is uh, Nürburgring 24. Mm. Uh, caught a fair bit of that on the weekend and uh, Good grief. If I ever think that GT3s around Bathurst is bonkers, I'm wrong. Because <laughs> yes. it's, it's absolutely very sensible. Uh, the one other hot that I did miss out on, just yeah. before we get into our knots, was uh, a photo of Erebus Motorsport, where everyone <laughs> in the team was told to hold up the number one finger, as that is where they currently are situated at the moment in V8 Supercar, uh, supercar Racing. And Barry... Ryan decided that the finger he would hold up would be his middle finger for number one. And I just think that's hot because that is just so uh, on par for Barry. And it's just, it's the team. They just, they, it's good on them. Well done. Beautiful stuff. Love them being up there. I suppose the the knot from the the whole Nürburgring thing was the, uh, they should have sent the Sandown fence repair team over there because they would have got plenty of practice. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Half the arm car around that racetrack got bowled <laughs> yeah. over. Oh, and really? Sadly, the uh, Dacia Logan got turned mm. into a cube, which was probably <laughs> yes. the most disappointing outcome of the whole thing. So, yes, I don't think we'll see the old uh, the Dacia I, run I mean, you could probably go and spend $30 and buying Buy a new another one. one. Yes. You know, why would you do that? <laughs> Sorry, Mark, I didn't mean to interrupt your... Uh, no, it was important. Didn't... Barry's middle finger is yeah, definitely Barry. something that needs to go on the record. Right. Not some, from you, Richard. Some knots. Uh, the MGZS. Oh, oh. dude. There's <laughs> <laughs> we... a severe lag between putting your foot on the accelerator and the actual car moving. So we, we I've had one as a rental car before and it didn't thrill me. Uh, we had another one and a rental car. And I shared it with uh, a colleague of mine, Paul Gert, who is the spare parts manager for Porsche and the racing driver, Chris Pither. And um, 
we oh, we had a hard time with that car. And it has the worst uh the worst cruise control slash dashboard interface that's ever been existed. Mm. It is the most counterintuitive mm-hmm. rubbish system that ever happened. Now on the slight incline on the motorway out of Perth, and this is Perth, Tasmania, not Perth WA, the thing would be hunting around on the cruise control. You can only change it in five or 10 kilometre an hour increments as well. And did you know that on the digital dash of that car, you can either either have the cruise control speed or the road speed, but you can't have both. So you could be barreling along, and I'm not saying on the record that we did this, you could be barreling on at 130 kilometers an hour. And yet the big speed in the middle of the dashboard on the digital dash still says 110. You would not know. Uh, Rubbish. And it it is a travesty that we don't build cars in Australia anymore for rental car fleets to be stocked with because we get delivered rubbish like that. Hello to anyone at MG. If you're listening, yes, we'd love for you to sponsor us. Oh, no, I'd actually send it back. Um, <laughs> my my favourite rental car story from Tasmania was one time we were down there. We got a Nissan Duke, I think mm, it was. God, mm. they were a hateful piece of kit. Is this the Moffat story? Yeah. Hey, is this the Moffat? Well, you've just given it away, champ. I can't I can't finish the story now because you'll incriminate it and never be allowed to hire a car again. No. You've buggered it. No, it's it's people can let their uh, minds do the imagining there. Um, so that was bad. Uh, Ford shunting each other was in my knots list. Um, so that was bad. Obviously, just silly. Um, recoveries. Uh, oh. Recoveries. Yeah, we the, talked about this on the weekend. We did. This, are, this was actually my not, so please do it for me. Oh, no. Well, well I'm happy No, no, go. To, I'm happy for you to do it. Okay. Well, but it, they're just bad at the moment, and I don't know what it is. I honestly don't know, and I'm not having a crack at the volunteer officials, but at both Speed Series and Supercars rounds, who have dedicated recovery crews and all that, it just feels like they're taking for ever there is a lot of faff going on in recoveries at the moment and and it's there's no empirical evidence to outline any of this but there were a couple of recoveries on the weekend that just seemed to take for an age a lot of them are in formula ford um so i didn't like that but my number one knot from the weekend was the schedule on sunday Mm. it Mm -hmm. was rubbish and really disappointed that the only thing between the two supercars races on Sunday was a Tassie tin tops race. Now nothing against Tassie tin tops, but the field spread was 20 seconds in a 60 second lap or a 52 second lap. If you're that Falcon that went and dominated the weekend. Um, And the racing just wasn't that good. Why would that be the only race you would put on between the two Sunday supercar races? And then there was an hour of nothingness happening. So it sucked the life out of the trackside atmosphere because all morning it had been Aussie racing car race, Formula Ford race, Porsche race, all really high quality support racing. And then when everyone settled down for the afternoon on their spot on the hill or on their couch groove to, to watch the racing, you get lumped with that. And I'm not having a shot at Tassie tin tops, but there should have, it should have been an Aussie car race and possibly a Formula Ford race. Or you'd put the longer Porsche race there, wouldn't you? You could have. The, the only, 
reason I think, and I'm taking a punt here, that the only reason I think they did that is because it's a bit sacrificial if there's a red flag in that first of the two Sunday supercar races and it runs longer. So you can eat into that more than you can get away with eating into a Porsche race, for example, because they get more angry. But at the same time, you've got to think of the paying punter, both paying for the television and paying for the ticket price to get in. And that was a real letdown after what was otherwise a brilliant schedule. The whole weekend was great. It was packed. Um, but four Tassie drift cars and a Tassie Tim Tops race does not entertainment make. And uh, I was really disappointed in that. So that is a big knot. Um, we need to be delivering peak motor racing at that point in the afternoon and it needed to be a Formula Ford or an Aussie car race. So that's my knot for the weekend. Two knots for me to add to that. One is the spirit of Tasmania. Having heard from one of the Formula Ford fathers who was going to bring his trailer over with his son's car, the trailer was 2.2 metres in height. Now, apparently, if you're not under 2.1 metres, you are classified as something else. So he was told that he could bring his car over on the trailer. That wouldn't be a problem. The only thing is they couldn't take the trailer back until after August because that was the next slot that they had for 2.2 metre trailers or above. Well, that's incredible. So as a result, he had to put the car onto a B-double with uh, another team and bring it over that way. But that is just ridiculous. You would think that if you are promoting Tasmania in a event such as a supercars event and the like, and cars are coming over to provide entertainment for that event, that there would be some sort of deal done that would allow you to bring your trailer back on the Monday after racing and not three or four months or five months later. That's time to build the bridge, isn't it? No. Isn't there another boat that goes from no, further around? Around? Toll, around? No, there's another one. Oh, there'll be a toll boat. Yeah, C-road, probably, yeah. yeah. Okay. But yeah, it, it is freight to Tassie is one of the great challenges of that place. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. The other it's, thing too is lack of food options at Simmons Plains. We were uh, only allowed to eat in the area that we were at. Otherwise, you had to walk a fair bit to get it. But there was a burrito truck just outside the media centre where you either got a burrito bowl, a mm. burrito, or a pulled pork burger. Mm. So fortunately, the meeting went over three days, and I had one of each over those three days. But the food options in Tasmania were quite... Well, but that was just in, in our area. You just didn't want to walk to the hill. Well, it's too bloody cold to walk, Richard. Yeah, but all the punters were on the hill. Your well, food would have living, been freezing, frozen by the time in, back. You're living life in elite land in the paddock. There was a, a media centre fridge full of sandwiches. What? I, why is someone besmirching Mexican food? Well, no, I'm not I'm just saying <laughs> it was the only thing I would do for three days. I have pulled pork seven days a week, mate. Why are you sucking about that? Are you serious? Actually, I did. I, I forgot one of my hots, actually. Um, pork? Is it pulled well, pork? Well, no, what's kind of related to that is that um, when you go to these places, you've got to shop local. So we went for lunch and for catering to J&J's Bakery in Longford. So there was an ulterior motive there because you could cut a lap of the Longford Grand Prix circuit while you were there and drive past the pub. Um, but they their sausage rolls, like 9.5 out of 10. So you missed a trick there, Shebex. Well, you just yeah, needed to yeah. go to J&J's in Longford. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'll remember that next time. Yeah. My, my knots 
for the weekend. Uh, I don't have much, really. Uh, there are two types of people on social media on the weekend. There were those who were complaining about the cold on the track and those complaining about KO buffering. There was a lot of blow up about that. And uh, that's oh, really? something that, yeah, didn't seem to go well. KO buffering people. has been a problem for months. And that's the reason why I've actually cancelled KO and gone back to Fox Sports. Oh. Because I wasn't able to watch sport properly. Footy was just either buffering or it was just cutting out halfway through a game saying that it had finished and stuff. Very, very strange stuff happening with the KO service at the moment. Okay, if you're well, listening for backing that up. If you're listening from KO, we'd love to hear from you and uh, sponsorship opportunities are available. No, so the, <laughs> the, the, no the, the thing is, Pete, they have heard from people about it and yeah. they just keep saying it must be your internet. It's yeah. not us. Well, well, so many people are saying it that it's got to be them. We do have rubbish internet, so maybe it is. We're finally going to pick up sponsorship. It's going to be from MG and KO and just going to be the <laughs> inept, on the grid, whatever, who cares podcast, <laughs> spell out, hopeless. Uh, so that was a knot. And the uh, other final knot from me was the fact that there was just no special Pizza Hut livery on Macaulay Jones's car after we suggested <laughs> earlier in this podcast series that they should be recognising the local all-you-can-eat yep. Pizza Hut restaurant, and they just didn't do it. Subsequently, Macca was absolutely shunned from the coverage. He got nothing no. all weekend long. No. no. Uh, greatly limiting pizza awareness, which absolutely goes against everything we believe in here at on the grid. Uh, the only exception was when James Courtney tried to open a Pizza Hut drive through straight through the middle of his <laughs> Chef Camaro in the last race and uh, didn't yeah. succeed in yeah. doing that. So yeah. uh, no drive through Pizza Huts at the moment. Very good. Not. The the non-coverage of his car this weekend has forced me to purchase Domino's today because I totally forgot the Pizza Spite. Hut even exists. <laughs> oh, see, sponsorship works, folks. Yeah, exactly. And if you're from and Pizza Hut and listening to this show, <laughs> uh, please please give us a phone call. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> we will hear from you guys again next week. At some point, we, we're not guaranteeing that we're going to have a Wednesday morning uh, release of our podcast as we normally do because Richard's actually en route to Europe. So route. we will grab him good. at some point next week and we'll put a podcast together. Yes. I will be on the other side of the world at some point when you hear me. And then the week after that, who knows? But uh, we'd like to believe that we'll have an on the grid live from Le Mans. Wouldn't well, that live, be nice? You know, on demand from Le Mans. Mm. So uh, we're working on that. We will see how we go. And I'll try and find our uh, little mate, Matty Campbell, for, uh, for a chat as well. Beautiful stuff. All right, boys. Catch you next week. Bye for now. Catch you next week. Also, right here on the grid.